All right. Good morning, North Lake Church. So good to have you here. Uh, if I could have the uh, lights brought up just a little bit, I, I, we are getting ready to do something that's very exciting. And uh, we are celebrating the completion of gospel presentation phase one. And so uh, we're, we're getting ready to show you a little video. And, and uh, although if you ask uh, possibly uh, one particular person, he may say it's not, it's 99% complete. He, he has a few things he wants to do, but it's completed. And we thank God for that. And we're celebrating God's goodness today. Uh, that, that is an awesome thing. Uh, almost $32,000, Northlake, you raised. We kicked in uh, for a grand total of $68,714 to complete phase one. If you've not yet seen all that we've done, we're going to take you from the beginning to the end in a little slideshow. But before we do that, I, I two things. If you haven't looked out on the board, you look out on the board, you can see some of the things up close, maybe if you didn't get a chance to see them as they were being put together. Uh, but uh, I would like to ask a question. I would like to ask if you had uh, any part in any way, shape, or form, and that means not just work, but giving. If you had any part of being a part of gospel presentation phase one, I would like you to stand, please. If you were involved in any way, please stand this morning. If there was some way you were involved in gospel presentation project, okay? I want to make sure in any way, this is giving and anything that you did, any way that you were uh, aware of helping, even if you helped uh, uh, some other way. I know we had cleanup crew, we had construction crew, we had all kinds of things. So, all right, look around. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Give glory to God. Amen. Now, I would like to ask for you just to join with me as we watch what God did from beginning to end. Don't hide in silence while the truth screams out Don't fear the future shaking up this ground There's a freedom that marches in a different sound So if you have the choice If you have the voice Then lift your voice and sing if you have the breath, lift up your voice and sing. If you have the heart, lift up your voice and sing. So phase two, 
we've already got earmarked some funds for phase two, and it's a uh, going to be uh, praying and asking God for help. We're going to get ready to do carpet, but we need we need help. It will be over fifty thousand dollars to finish the project. So just make you aware, and and uh, God's got a miracle somewhere. And so we're 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 uh, thanking God. We're uh, praising the Lord for the one, and we're asking God to help us as we move forward with phase two. Amen, amen. Uh, there was uh, one particular person, and I would like to ask him to come, and that's Brian Pinch. Where are you, Mr. Pinch? Would someone go get him? Oh, yeah, he's probably counting money. <laughs> uh, he didn't ask for this. But I will tell you, there was one that uh, took this project on, and every time he asked, the Lord said, Focus on the project. And the Lord uh, blessed him. He was out of work during this time. And he worked with his hands as unto the Lord. And we prayed and we asked God, what do you have? That was part of uh, God bringing the whole culmination of this part of the phase together. Uh, he's blessed with the hands of a craftsman, as you can see. And he did it as unto the Lord, but there's times where we need to thank those who have been a part of God's work. And so, Brian, we know you're a meat person. <laughs> I like that too. I think that's good. So, yeah, exactly. So we're going to send you to get meat and potatoes at Brazil Grill and it's all you can eat. <laughs> and, and we love you. And Kathy and the Pinch family, we know you sacrificed. I, I, I know that we had hundreds of people that put in hours, but no one that put in as many hours as Brian. And he did it to the glory of the Lord. We praise God for that. This is just a very small token of appreciation. We love you. I know that. Praise the Lord. God's doing good things at North Lake Church. We're believing God for big things at North Lake Church. Hallelujah. Well, this next two sermons as we wrap up, living by the nudge, I am excited about. I'm going to move this just because I know myself. <laughs> And it's just a little too close to me. <laughs> so it's a lot safer there than it is there. <laughs> we're, uh, we're getting ready uh, to uh, talk about the last two uh, sermons. And I want to welcome all of those who join us by Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us this morning. We are talking about living by the nudge, but these last two uh, that we talk about, are, I, I hope truly, will grip you and excite you. 
God did not ask us to do something that he is not willing to see through. And so when uh, we have talked about living by the nudge, these last two sermons, I hope, will inspire you to say, Lord, I will, for the rest of my life, live by the nudge of the Holy Spirit. I hope that you will say, Lord, never again will I spend a day where I am not listening and expecting the nudge of your Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So get ready. I don't know what you're, you're uh, having your hand for a Bible today, but whatever it is, electronic or hard copy, hold it up. This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Today I want to talk to you about living by the nudge and... Uh, Before we talk about the title, I want to talk about uh, this, result or results. I want to talk about what would the results be of someone who would truly be committed to say, I am going to live by the nudge of the Spirit. I am going to be one of those people that just expects that the Spirit of God is real and will speak to me and empower me to be what Jesus wants me to be. Now, I hope that you are seeing as we have gone over this in the Word of God that God, in fact, has just given us all of that. He does not leave us empty. He does not just lay us out instructions and say, I hope you get there. He does much more than that. But result is this. It says a consequence, effect, or outcome of something. It's uh, a, a product or an effect of, a repercussion, a ramification. So what would be the ramification of someone who would say, Lord, I am going to be living by the nudge of your spirit? Well, I believe it would be this, empowered Christ follower. And if there is a need in the church of America like never before, it is empowered Christ followers. What do I mean as I define an empowered Christ follower? One who is making an absolute difference in the world. One who is truly grabbing hold of. And, and moving into and allowing their lives to be absolutely, totally affected by Jesus and what he's done. When that happens, the world around us changes. When that happens, when you become that empowered Christ follower, things change all around you. So what is a empowered Christ follower all about? Let's look as we look at Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 30. This is what the Word of God says. And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep 
for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified." Praise the Lord. I'm hoping even in this passage of Scripture, you are seeing that when we accept and when we embrace and say yes to the Word of God, God will do in you what you cannot do in yourself. So the first thing we're going to look at, we're going to look at verses 26 and 27. I want to talk to you about an empowered Christ follower accepts his help. Well, now, you say, well, that's pretty simple, Brian. It's simple, but it's so profound and so elusive to us because one of the greatest things about the human heart is its ability to not ask for help. The ability to say, I'll do it myself, even when you're drowning, even when you're dying, even when you know that you are absolutely, hopelessly in a state where you are helpless. There's something about the human hard heart that refuses to ask for help. But I want to encourage you, an empowered Christ follower is not one who does it himself. It's not one who has somehow spiritually matured enough that now they no longer need any help. The one that you see that is truly filled with the power of God and you see the Spirit of God moving in them, it is those who have relied and cried out to God the most. Praise the Lord. It is those who have cried out to God and said, God, I need your help. There is something about pride in the human heart that is an issue. We, and and it's, it, can, it can be sometimes uh, specific to men especially. Men, listen. We sometimes want to do it on our own, but it's not only to men. It can be of mankind. Mankind in our hearts, we want to somehow find an avenue. I will tell you, sometimes the offense of the cross of Jesus Christ being the only way to salvation isn't offensive because of so much Jesus himself as it is that people don't want to admit their need. They somehow, some way, want to end around God and say, look what I did. And God doesn't allow it. 
But now this passage in 26 and 27 specifically focuses on something that I think we need to grab a hold of. And that is the Spirit of God. And I want to talk about it because oftentimes, especially in Pentecostal circles and uh, in our great fellowship of the assemblies of God, uh, we can uh, get uh, distracted on what tongues is or what it isn't. So I want to talk about that because in this passage of Scripture, it's absolutely vital that you understand it. See, Paul is not talking about the gift of tongues that is at work in the body here. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about the, uh, the reason that Paul addressed the Corinthian church and you can write these down in, uh, in chapters 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He was talking there about tongues being used in the gift as the body of Christ was coming together. And instead of bringing glory to God, the gift of tongues was abused and, and Paul had to bring correction. Paul had to say, stop focusing on a gift externally that was never meant to be the end all. <laughs> so if we're looking at tongues to be the end all, especially in it being in the body of Christ, the Paul says it's the least of the gifts. Now, is it wonderful? Yes. Should it be in the body of Christ? Yes. But let's also embrace and move into the other parts of the gifts. Amen? So here, what is Paul talking about? Here, he's talking about something that goes so much further. In fact, I believe this is where the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian people and he says... I speak in tongues more than any of you. Now, do you realize when Paul made that statement, there was a whole lot of tongues being spoken. So, again, what was Paul talking about? He was talking about there's a different time and place and a purpose for all of this. But here, here, I want you to see that tongues are so much more than just in services. When we call and ask the Lord to receive the gift of the Spirit, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I, I've, I've really, I've talked to some people in Pentecostal circles that have said, well, I don't want to give gifts in the body. That's not what that's about. You still need the power of the Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Spirit with the evidence of tongues. You may never speak one word in a congregation, in a gathering of giving a tongue message. You need it in your spirit. You are going to have times when you will be out of words to pray. And you will need His Spirit to speak through you. There's a point where our flesh comes to an end. And there I need the Spirit. But here's the thing about the Lord. If we do not accept, receive, if we don't admit 
that we need it, we don't receive it. I've had people say, well, why do I need tongues? I'm fine. All I can tell you is when you get it, you'll know the difference. (laughs) That's the only thing I can say. The only thing I can say is that if God says that he wants to give it to you, why for heaven's sakes are you resisting it? (laughs) If God wants to give it to us, embrace it. Say, God, I do. I receive it. And it says in the word of God that you will receive power. But this specific scripture says that you don't, you get to the place where you don't know what to pray. And the spirit will intercede for you. And here it says the awesome thing. When you begin to pray and intercede in the spirit and and God gives you those utterances and those things that are coming out, and you think, man, I don't even know what it sounds like. God does. God does. And he says the Spirit intercedes according to the will of God. You never have to worry about what the Holy Spirit is interceding. He always intercedes according to the will of God. Praise the Lord. This is powerful. This is good. So uh, I I want to uh, just encourage you. If you're here and you have not yet received the baptism of the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and maybe you've thought, well, you know, I'm not going to use it in service. Praise the Lord. First of all, I would say that's for God to decide, not you. And that's still an an attitude of control, which could be possibly the reason that you're still praying for it. God asks for our tongue for a reason. In the book of James chapter 3, this is such a powerful connection. Make the connection. James writes, every beast on the face of the earth has been tamed by man. But the tongue no man can tame. This little teeny tiny member of our flesh is hard to control. No wonder God says, when I baptize you, the member I want is your tongue. Is it any wonder? So, I encourage you, you may never give a message in tongues in service. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. And where was that? In his prayer life, in his daily walk with God. He prayed in the Spirit constantly. So an empowered Christ follower accepts his help. Accept the fact that, Lord, I do need the Spirit. I do need that tongue to intercede for me, to to cry out on my behalf, to pray according to the will of God. Because there are times in my life where I don't even understand what the will of God is for me. I think I know, but I'm not sure. The Holy Spirit is an awesome prayer partner. 
All right, number two, uh, before we go, I have a scripture I do want to share, and that's 1 John chapter 2, 28, 7 and 28. And, and just, uh, I just want to read it. As for you, this is every believer, every person that has accepted Jesus into their heart, the Spirit indwells you. Listen to what it says. And as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. But now as powerful as that scripture is, I want to point out again, unless you yield the Holy Spirit will never teach or empower. He will not trample over your will. The Holy Spirit will wait and be a gentleman. And the minute you, the second you ask, he will be there to guide, to lead, to teach, to empower. He will be there. Praise the Lord. Number two, looking at verse number 28. An empowered Christ follower acknowledges his purpose. God has a purpose for your life. It is not for you just to work some 30, 40 years, retire, uh, spend a few years traveling and go to your grave. That is not just the will of God for your life. The will of God for you is that you're a child of God that you have unique, special purposes. You don't know the lives God has for you to touch during your lifetime. Only God has that plan. God says in, in uh, the book of uh, uh, Psalm 139 that every day is written in his book before one comes to being. And that he know, has them all mapped out. You aren't aware of the impact and the influence you have had and will continue to have. And you continue to have that influence until he calls you home. And uh, so it becomes important then, well, how, how do I know better his purpose? Crack the book. Get in the word of God. The word of God, there is no substitute. There is none. You will not find a better place to find the purpose of God for your life, for your heart, for your family. And trust me, when you start lining your life up with the purposes of God, you will find true living. It, it sounds so simple, but it's so elusive. Many Christians running around, they live carnal Christianity and they live miserable Christianity. Christianity that just emotionally, they're like a yo-yo. Why is that? Because although they're saved, they refuse to accept the purposes of God in their life. And until you line up with the purposes of God, you will be miserable. You will try to do it yourself and you'll find that self leaves you empty. Self leaves you unfulfilled. Self is like a Snickers bar. It gets you on a high about 15 minutes and you wish you never had it without real food. 
God's word is real food. God's word is real food. And the word is how we find his purpose. And by the way, that purpose, when you truly grab a hold of it and understand that even in the midst of this life, even in the midst of all that's happening, when circumstances begin to rain on your parade, God isn't just sitting up there saying, who cares? God's got an eternal purpose that he's working out even when I don't see it. Even when I don't understand. Even when it's the darkest period, God says, I've got a purpose for you. I've got a purpose for you. So a empowered Christ follower, when he acknowledges that purpose in his life, when he realizes that, that life is not about uh, get all you can, uh, can all you get, and sit on your can, okay? It's not about that. Life is not about that. It's bigger. The purpose is bigger. It's the purpose of God in your life. Isaiah 43, 1 through 2 says this. But now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Now, yes, this uh, scripture first applies to the nation of Israel, but it also applies to you as a believer who has been grafted in by the blood of Jesus. God has a plan and a purpose for you. Praise the Lord. There's lots of other scriptures I've put down there for you to look at. Uh, as we move on to point number three, I want to give you, I want to make a reference to all the scripture verses I put up there because I usually put them, uh, try to put them uh, most of the time in order. I did not do it this time. I want to explain the reason I didn't is because as we look down this passage of scripture of him saying those he called, he justified, those he justified, he glorified, I tried to put those scriptures down in the order that is in that last verse for you so that you can follow along and get the scriptures for those particular th things, okay? So that's the reason that you find uh, one in Ephesians there, and then you go a little further, and you, you, you go 2 Corinthians, and then you're going to find another one in 2 Corinthians, and usually I put them in order. I didn't for that purpose. So I, I want to make that point as you're looking at point number three uh, so that you don't get hung up. An empowered Christ follower acts on his plan. Now, that's a big difference. There is a huge difference between acting on and knowing in my head. There's a huge difference. Action means faith. And true faith, by the way, is not intellectual belief. True faith goes so much further. True faith goes to trust, and trust acts. Tr trust responds. 
And so when I say an empowered Christ follower, that's what I mean. Someone who not only knows his plan, but acts on it. He steps out in faith. He takes steps towards it. This means you willingly participate in what God is doing, listen, through you and around you. The Apostle Paul had an amazing, amazing ability. And it was because he was an empowered Christ follower. In the midst of any circumstance, any situation, when the surrounding or what was around him happened, he said, what now am I to do and how am I to act on God moving now? And he did it whatever God asked him. That's huge because sometimes, many times in my life, I've been caught up in what is happening around me to the point where I'm either paralyzed and I don't do anything or I become frustrated in the circumstances and what I do is what I ought not do. But as an empowered Christ follower, one who is acting on his plan, one who understands and acknowledges his purpose, one that, that understands and knows that I'm receiving his help, you'll begin to say, no, 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 no. This is just an external circumstance. And God's got a purpose for me to act on. God, what is the thing that I'm supposed to do that I take the first step to act on. Because this situation, this, this circumstance, the only one that is surprised by it is me, not God. God's not surprised by it. God's not taken back by it. God's not disturbed by it. No matter how desperate or dark the situation may be, God knows the situation. And may I even say that as a Christ follower, if you will yield to God's plan, those that even intend harm still cannot thwart the plan of God to do good in you. That doesn't mean nothing ever bad will happen to you. It means God will give you power to rise above it. Because God's got a purpose for your life. And his purpose is for you to be his child and to walk victoriously in the lives that he has for you to touch. And that's really what it's about. As an empowered Christ follower, your mind's set on eternity. Your mind is set on those that are in possibility decision of where they will spend their eternity. I say that because they're going to spend their eternity somewhere, whether it's with God or without God. The fact is everyone will spend an eternity somewhere. And, and that, needs to that needs to grip us. If we aren't gripped by anything else, if, if we don't understand that, that it's not just a matter of, of missing Jesus, the Bible is clear. And, and it doesn't care what our political persuasion is. There is a hell. And there is something to be gained in receiving Jesus. He gave his one and only son to get us out of there. 
as the, as the scripture says, he didn't send his son to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. The world was already on its way. <laughs> he sent his son so that we could change trajectory. <laughs> So we could come, we have a different uh, uh, a different pointing. <laughs> when you begin to participate with God in His plan, exciting things happen. When you begin to get up and you say, "Lord." I'm not going to an 8-to-5 job. I'm not going to an office job. I'm not going to a, to a white-collar job. I'm going to your spot of ministry. I'm going to a place where you've placed people around me that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are placing me in certain situations. You're not moving into a particular neighborhood. for God's placed you there with a reason for you to be a light for his glory. He's got a plan. He's wanting you to be a, a follower who participates, who acts on his plan. Pastor, are you, are you saying that, that I ought to, even when I take cookies to my neighbor, that I ought to pray over them? Absolutely. Absolutely. In everything, prayer. When you're doing that thing, pray that God blesses those. Pray that God reaches out to them. God has a plan. God has a plan. And he's doing it through you. That's the other thing. God wants to use you through you. Everyone here, doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, if God's given life in your lungs, he still has something for you to do. Your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your neighbors, that's our focus. Our focus is the kingdom of God. And that brings out my other point. Sometimes uh, even being saved, if you aren't on God's plan, you can find yourself being miserable. You say, how can that be? How can Christian people, Brian, be miserable? It's because they're living for the temporal instead of living for the kingdom. It's because they're so focused. Now, God hear me in the word of God it says we are to enjoy everything God gives us here on the earth I'm not talking about not having enjoyment not having nice things that has nothing to do with that it has to do with really where we're trying to find our happiness our joy when we put our heart when we bank on this life we're going to be really disappointed because anything in this life is going to cause eventually something that, that disappoints us. <laughs> you buy anything brand new, and within a couple of months, it'll disappoint you. Because your first scratch, your first thing, your first wrong, the first things that we create deteriorate quickly. <laughs> if we're trying to find joy in that and not the Lord... If you're trying to find your joy in relationships, as good as our earthly relationships are, without the joy of Jesus, you will be miserable. 
you cannot find. There isn't that perfect person. There isn't that one that you will never have a trouble with. Get more than two people in the same room, there's going to be a disagreement. Some point, some time, you don't all think exactly alike. So when we focus on God's plan, it pulls us together. When we focus on God's plan, it does something else. It'll give you joy in your life. So that's what I'm talking about. Many Christian people I've seen that they don't ever just seem to have joy. And you ask them, well, are, are, you, are you part of God's plan? You know, who are you praying for? You believe in someone to be saved? Well, no, I'm saved. If you're really not plugged into God's plan, no wonder you're miserable. No wonder we wander and wonder what we're here for. But I will tell you, there's not a drug or a feeling or a possession or anything on the face of the earth that compares with yielding to the plan of God. There's nothing that can touch it. There's nothing that can compare to the joy of the Holy Spirit, of His power that moves in a life that's yielded. Grab hold of it, church. It's not for an elite few. It's for the church. Hallelujah. An empowered Christ follower acts on his plan. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 10 through 13 says this. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory... <laughs> eternal glory it is a trustworthy statement for if we died with him we also shall live with him if we endure we shall also reign with him listen to this you need to grab a hold of this if you ever wondered about your human frailty God knows it says if we deny him he also will deny us. Now, I want to talk about that because the word there used in the Greek is purposeful, willful choice. You can't deny Christ by simply falling into sin. We all fall into sin. Take a load off. There's no one here who has not sinned. <laughs> no one. So, but then listen to what he says. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. See, there's a huge difference. That, that, that one, the deny, is a deliberate, willful, you have to forcefully push him away and say no. But when you just simply are faithless, have there been times in my life? Absolutely. I've failed. Lord, I just didn't have the faith. You know what? When you're out, he's faithful. <laughs> he won't cast you away. Hallelujah. He says a bruised reed he will not push away. <laughs> he won't break. Hallelujah. He remains faithful for he cannot deny himself and his spirits in you. 
let that sink in, church. There's hope in him. Hallelujah. There's hope. So now it comes down to some questions. Number one, are we living by the nudge? Lord, am I? Am I listening to the voice of your, am I expecting it? When I get up during the day, do I expect you're going to direct me about those that are around me? Or am I so on autopilot, I'm just doing my thing? Number two, are you willing to accept his help? Are you willing to acknowledge his purpose? Are you willing to act on his plan? Because God desires empowered Christ followers. And our country needs desperately empowered Christ followers. Bow your head with me this morning. I first want to ask a question about those of you who are already saved. I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord. But I know this. Even as far as I felt like the Lord has taken me, I want to have more of his empowerment. I want to be a full, more fully yielded vessel. I want even more of him. I want more of him and less of me in my life. If that's you and you'd say, yeah, Pastor Brian, I'm there. And this, this message encourages me that there's more empowerment for him to do in my life. Would you slip your hand up? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. And God, I ask that you would empower us as we acknowledge, as we yield. God, do in us what we cannot do. Do by your spirit what we cannot do. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Now, I want to ask a question. Is there maybe somebody here who has not called on the name of the Lord yet? You're here and you know that you need Jesus. You need Jesus to forgive your sin. I want to I want to give you that opportunity. Is there anyone here? You just slip your hand up and say, yes, Pastor Brian, would you pray with me? Just want to take a moment. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Then, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the word of God. I ask, Lord, that as we step out and do these things, we would become empowered Christ followers and that our world, our schools, our communities, our families, our workplaces would change for the glory of God and we would see kingdom fruit, salvations, baptisms, Holy Spirit baptisms, God people that are delivered, healed. God, we pray for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand to your feet, North Lake. Hallelujah. God's good. And now before I release you, I say it again. Now starts intentional ministry. Be faithful with the Lord's day. Do the work of the church. 
God bless you. I love you.